Thank you for our first-time guests who are with us, uh, second time, third time, fourth, fifth time. Uh, thank you guys for coming. Uh, superheroes, let's give them a hand clap. Let's welcome them this morning. Praise God. We're in a series called Wild Goose Chase. Uh, a wild goose chase is a hopeless pursuit of something unattainable. It's a hopeless pursuit, search of something unattainable. And what we've come to say is, is that in life, uh, we can pursue multiple things in life. But we've, we've ultimately come to find out that it's only a relationship with Jesus Christ, not being a member of a church, not being a part of a religion, but it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that ultimately brings us lasting fulfillment. And the sad part about this is, is that, you know, uh, don't mean to be tough, especially if it's your first time, but we've been preaching this for five weeks. And my thing is, man, if you've been here all five weeks or four out of the five, I hope today that if you haven't gotten that truth, if you haven't accepted that truth in your heart, that this morning will be the morning that you would turn your life and give it to Christ. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I think today we're going to make some sense of that. Um, I want to introduce you to a character. Her name is Hannah. Uh, we actually have a Hannah in our, in our group, on our superhero squad. Let's give it up for Hannah. She's right there. <laughs> she serves on our refresh team. So when you get the coffee, that's all her. That's between her and Megan. So when you see them, give them a big a hug, and a kiss if you can sneak one in. Yeah, so we're dealing with Hannah this morning. She's married to a man named Alkanah. Alkanah. Um, Going to join me in 1 Samuel. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull out 1 Samuel. It's in your Old Testament. We love to teach the word around here. We like to go deep, but we make it very simple, very practical for you to understand and apply to your life. Um, so, yeah, First Samuel is our uh, main scripture today. We're going to be mainly in verses 9 through 20, but I want to give you some context before we dive in. So, Alkanah is a Levite. He lives in Ephraim. Uh, the children of Israel, God's chosen people, they have 12 tribes, and one of the tribes is the tribe of Levi, um, which makes Alkanah a priest. He serves the Most High God. He stands between man and God. He serves in a certain capacity. Um, back in, in his time, they had what was called the tabernacle worship system. Uh, this was before the temple, the permanent system. Uh, this was what you would call portable church. Uh, so if you're setting up pipe and drape, come on now. If you're setting up these TVs or the speakers or if you're running uh, production or if you're worshiping, you were considered a Levite. You were a priest before the Most High God. Moses would do what I'm doing. Moses would stand up and he would declare the law, the word of God before the people. Moses was also a part of the tribe of Levi. Uh, he had a baby brother. Uh, his name was Aaron, who served as his mouthpiece towards the people. Aaron uh, was the, the, the uh, forefather or progenitor of the, of, of the Levitical priesthood. Um, and so, well... Not, not, not the progenitor, I'm sorry, but God used Aaron to introduce the Levites into this new system he was establishing. Um, Moses having delivered the children of Israel from slavery, God was having to take them from a slavery mindset 
to a settler mindset. Um, and so he was seeking to establish a culture. Alkanah is years past Moses, but to give you a little context, Alkanah is married to two women. Um, let me pronounce this right. Penina and Hannah. Um, Penina has children. Hannah does not have children. Um, so there were times throughout the year where Alkanah and his, and his family would go and make sacrifices unto the Lord. And uh, you would make your sacrifice, a portion of your goat or your lamb would go to God. Another portion of this lamb would go to the rest of your family. God is a good God, right? It's kind of like tithe and offerings. If you give him your first 10%, he says, hey, I'm going to bless the 90%. And how many know that I'd rather have God's hand on the 90% than my hands on all 100% of it, right? So as a priest, as someone who serves the Lord, he would have known, well, I got to give this portion to God, and I can give the rest of the best to my family. So he gives Penina and her children their portion. And because Hannah is barren, she can't bear children, he gives her a double portion. Unfortunately, Hannah can't enjoy what it is she's receiving. She can't really enjoy it. She doesn't find any peace, any comfort in her possessions and the things that she has received. No long-term joy and peace. Let me, let me pause real quick because I see some of you are kind of staring blank. I believe that today's message is going to be a game changer for your life. I simply believe it will. I, one of my favorite pastors, preachers, his name is Levi Lusco. He said this before. He said, this word may not be for you today, but eventually it's going to be for you. So I pray that you would lean in and take notes and just dive in because you may not need it today, but you may need it in about six months. And so um, Hannah couldn't enjoy this double portion because there was strife in her home. Peninnah would taunt her because she was a barren woman. And so in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, verse 6, it says this. So Peninnah would haunt and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Now, this was a great disgrace in this society, in this culture. Two main reasons. One, as a Jewish woman, knowing that the Messiah was going to come, uh, the chosen one, the anointed one, Jesus, you would have wanted to bear the Messiah. Or you would have wanted to be the Messiah's grandmother or great-grandmother. You would be remembered forever. Mary is just as famous as Jesus is himself. So this is true. And the other reason that, as a woman, you would have wanted to have a male child, more specifically. You would have loved your little girl, but you would have wanted a male child. Because one of your main agendas would have been is to have a male child so that when they grow old enough, they can inherit their father's estate and carry the lineage on. So this was of great disgrace and great reproach in this culture. You can always see, almost see the weight that Hannah is bearing. And so 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8, Alkanah says this. He says, why are you crying, Hannah? Why aren't you eating? Why be, do we have this verse? No? Why be so downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? That's what Alkanah says to 
his wife, why? why? Why aren't you eating? Don't You have this. You have the car. You have the food. You can go shop. You can go here. You have the sports leagues for your, you got this, you got that. Why aren't you eating? Why, why aren't you partaking? Why, why aren't you enjoying the possessions that you have, the friends that you have? And Hannah has come to this. She's pretty much saying, I'm not producing. I'm not successful. My life has went from here to here, and this is just kind of where it stops. I'm not effective anymore. I, I've graduated high school. I, I got an AA. I got a bachelor's. I make $20 an hour. This is where it stops. I, I, I'm not effective. My life truly doesn't have any meaning, and that's just the way she feels. And sometimes, instead of seeking out things in the wild goose chase, we often try to seek our souls and our spirits for peace and joy and freedom and refuge, and we end up in an internal wild goose chase not being able to find these things within ourselves simply because what we see that we've produced on the outside in our lives. This is where I'm at. Man, I just wish I could be fulfilled in this place. Ah, I can't find it. I can't, I can't find this fulfillment. And the problem is, is this. We look at our lives and we've been only able to produce to a certain level. And within our own power, we're just incapable, watch this, of making certain things happen. There are certain things in life we have no power to overcome within ourselves. Stick with me. We're going to lighten it up here. I just got to build this context. Is this good so far? Yeah. And so we need a special touch from God to allow us to know that he's not through with us. And we're not done being effective. We're not done growing. We're not done in the lane that he's potentially called us into. My, uh, my baby got sick. It was Tuesday morning, um, about 3.30 a.m. And man, something woke me up. I heard him um, kind of coughing, choking up, throwing up. We're on the third floor. He's on the second and I just sprung up, and I went downstairs, and I picked him up, and uh, we saw the, you know, stuff in his crib. And I'm like, oh, my God, you okay? And as I carried him upstairs and put him in the bed, he throws up, and he throws up, and he is letting it go from 4 a.m. to about 8 a.m. almost every 20 minutes. Some would say we're horrible parents. Why didn't you get that boy to the hospital? And so... He, he, you know, this would last from Tuesday all the way until about Friday morning. No appetite, um, no, no joy. He, he just wasn't his normal self. And we had to allow the virus to work its way out. And praise God, he's fine. It passed on to my wife on all day Friday. Then it hit me Friday night all the way until yesterday. So this is a lonely world up here. If you guys can just shout me down and clap me up. Let's just try this. Give, give us a hand clap this morning. You're going to have to help me get through this. It's going to be good. And um, thanks, babe. Three years, me and my wife. Awesome. Got some plans. <laughs> I almost said something. All right, so anyway. Um, yeah, so, but it was interesting. When he was sick, he, he, wanted, he wanted to do two things. Number one, he wanted to rest. And number two, he wanted the embrace of his parents. Um, and so, you know, when you get your baby, you rub them, 
More specifically, not to down my wife, he wanted the special touch from his father. During the season where nothing could fulfill him, he didn't have an appetite for anything. And there's two things he wanted. He wanted rest, and he wanted to be with me 90% of the time. And the only thing I could offer him was a special touch. And now he's back to normal, and he's living life. The title of our message this morning is called Special Touch. Special Touch is unusual contact, greater or better contact. Um, and I, I want to I wanna dig into this here. So 1 Samuel, we're going to read uh, verses 9 through 20, and then we're going to skip down to verses... Uh, 25 and 28. Let me read from the monitor if you want to follow along here. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours his entire lifetime. And as a sign uh, that he is dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. This is the Nazarene vow. No, the Nazarite vow, sorry. Verse 12. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Uh, don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. I love this. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. God gave me something so powerful for this, man. This is going to bless us. Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she went, no long, she went away no longer sad. The entire family got up the next morning, went to worship, uh, went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. Alkanah and Hannah had their anniversary celebration, and in due time, she gave birth to a son. His name was Samuel. Oh, my goodness. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. Verse 25, let's skip down. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy Eli. Sir, do you remember me, Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several, several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. I just, there's just so much here that as a teacher, I'm, I'm tempted to dive into. But we, we got to preach so that we can uh, have this all make sense. Like, we could talk about Samuel and his ministry, how he was a judge. Come on, babe. How he was a judge and a prophet and a priest. Like, Samuel was a best, a best, a, a beast. This is what I mean to say. Um, here we go. Point number one. We need... A special touch for our inability. We need a special touch for our inability. If you're taking notes, which I hope you are. 
Verse 10 says this, says that Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. She's in anguish because she wants to obtain something that she doesn't have the power to produce. She wants to have something that she does not have the ability to produce. Let me make this here. I have 45 minutes to try to help all of us out. Within the time of my preaching, attempt to apply these general principles to your specific situation. They're going to help us all out. I want to hit everything, but I just can't in this human form. Now, this is what I want to say. We all have limits to overcome, goals that we like to achieve, and heights that we want to reach. Um, But for some reason, uh, we just can't. You have them. I have them. We want to be married by this age. We want to own a home by this age. I would love to have my master's by 26. Um, Love to have my bachelor's at 22. Uh, We have these ideal circumstances, these perfect lives that we, we write out. And we're in a broken world. We're in a fallen world. What tends to happen is, is that we plan things out that we believe we have all the ability to accomplish, and we run into brick walls. There are things that happen in our relationships. There are things that happen in life, be it a sickness that just comes. And we don't necessarily choose these things. They come. Like when Judah got sick, as his father, if I could have laid a hand on him and we prayed, Lord, take this away, he could have done it. He didn't do it. Judah stayed sick for three days. Um, As a pastor, if I can solve my problems and your problems, if I had the power to, I would. Um, If I could make people believe in Jesus Christ so that when they die, they don't go to hell, they go to heaven, I would. But I can't, and it hurts when you can't. It hurts when you are in a relationship and you're doing all the right things, but your partner tends to not want to do all the right things. It hurts. You want to change it, but you can't. And we need a special touch for our inability. Before I said yes to God and I got into ministry, I was pre-medicine. In undergrad, I shadowed a, um, an interventional cardiologist. His name is Dr. Wayne Batchelor, the man in Tallahassee, Florida. I love this guy. And so we had all types of patients. Um, one patient in particular is about 50 years old, 5 foot 10, 5 foot 11, 175 pounds. He worked out all the time, perfect health. And he came in with the complaint of shortness of breath and uh, chest pain for like over a month, about five or six weeks. And um, so typically what you do, you do an echocardiogram, you do a nuclear stress test, you do all these none, and you got to stick with me now. Jesus Jesus preached in parables. So if I'm not behind the Bible the whole time, don't worry. So I'm in good company. I'm sure a lot of people was like this on Jesus. He preached in stories. So he said this. He said, those that have ears to hear, let them hear. And those are the lives that were changed. And so um, echocardiogram and couldn't get to the bottom of it. Man, this is a perfectly healthy guy. He orders a CT to take a look inside of his chest to see his heart, mainly the coronary artery, which is the main vessel that gets blood into your heart muscle. What we discovered with this perfectly healthy guy 
was that his coronary artery had 90% occlusion. And he was on the verge of having a massive heart attack. Perfectly healthy dude. But he couldn't produce what he was used to producing. What this reminds me of is that in life, we often wonder why we can't control. Oh, boy, we're already preaching. We often wonder why we can't control the certain outcome of things. But God is worried about the work he comes to do on the inside of us. We see the failure. We see the failed effort. God sees the inner deficiency and the limitation that's holding us back. And so we're often the patient, and God is often Dr. Bachelor. So some of us want to give birth to this. We want to give birth to that, to that, to that. And God is saying, I've come to do a surgery so that you can conceive something better, something greater, that's going to actually get you the results that you want and that you're looking for. We want to, come on, clap it up. Clap it up. We want a good marriage, but we don't want to conceive patience. We want to be blessed in our finances, but we don't want to conceive discipline. We don't want to set a budget. We want great friendships, but we don't want to be friendly. And so the Lord is meeting Hannah in her place of anguish, and I'm sure while she's praying, he's trying to get a message to her. So Hannah initiates God's involvement by bringing, her, by bringing him her inability. If there is a place of lack in your area, in your life, chances are you haven't initiated God's involvement by bringing him your inability fully because God has a will and a plan for that. I remember when we wanted to give birth to this church. It was my wife and Chris and I. And we asked six people. Uh, the first, we call them the original six. Hey, man, move where we don't know where we're going. Uh, uproot your life. You know, God is a major calling on us. We're going to change the world. This is pretty cool. You know, three people, this, you know, we're only going to grow more and affect the city more. I just believe that's what faith would do. Faith will call things that are in existence into existence. And so we had three people believe in what you see today. The first six said a big fat no. <laughs> no, we're not doing it. And we were broken. We were distraught. Oh, what are we going to do? Man, we were really banking on them. How, how are we going to change the world? What are we going to do with this big vision? How are we going to reach people? And so we, we took this inability for weeks of, after weeks of prayer, weeks of fasting, and we took it to God. And what I want to do is give you a three, uh, a number one, A, B, and C. So three points within the first one. The special touch gives you an assurance of a few things. And it assures you that you can depend on God. That you can depend on God. We couldn't do it alone, but we knew that people were called to this vision. And Proverbs 19, 21 says this, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. When your ability has reached a maximum, 
you have to understand that it's no longer in your hands. What's at stake is not your ability or your plans. What's at stake is God's purpose in your life. There's a reason why you can't make this happen. Because God has called you to be totally dependent on him in this circumstance. You have to depend on him. So we had to understand as a team of three that wanted to reach the world that, look, we were counting on those six people. They said, no. The purpose is this. The purpose is to declare the good news of Jesus Christ in an area that he's calling us to that needs to hear about him. God's purpose and his plan is going to be played out in our lives, not the way we think it should, but the way he has intended for it to. The special touch assures us, watch this, when you're, when you're messed up with an, with an inability, that we can focus on the good. In the meantime, you have to learn how to focus on the good. So you got to focus on your strengths. There are things that you are great at. There are things in life that you're blessed with still. Um, so for, for us, in our context, this is just for us, you know, we're using analogies. I was, I'm great at casting vision, speaking to your heart, tell you how wonderful you are. Now move with me. I ain't paying you nothing. Let's just change the world together. And that's how we got a whole new six to join us, right? So we had to make it happen. And so I'm great at casting vision. We can preach. We can teach. My wife can sing. Chris can create. This is all we have. And we have resolve. Let's do it. Now, you got to look at your life and say, what am I great at? What's around me that I can go into the refrigerator and eat on? What can I be thankful for during seasons where your inability is limiting your output? The special touch assures you that you can focus on the good. And Philippians 4.8 says this, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts. I know it's not perfect, but you have a beautiful child you still have to raise. I know it's not perfect. I know you felt that standardized test. You didn't get that score. But that's not the end of your calling. That's not the end of who you are. I know your work situation is not perfect, but there's still a calling and a passion that God has put in your heart that's going to bring you the joy you're looking for, not a paycheck. Fix your, fix your mind on these things. I love this point. The special touch assures us that we can set a time that gives God time. Follow me here. We can set a timeline that gives God time. Give it a timeline. Whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, give it, give it an expiration date. Maybe in that time, your inability will become a strength. Maybe in that time, you'll ditch the inability and focus on your strengths. Maybe there's a family member that is sick and they're passing soon. And you need to make the most of that time with that individual. Give it a timeline so that God can move. Pray for direction and clarity and adjust when necessary. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says this, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. When, you're, when your inability has maxed, you ought to give it a timeline. 
for us, we had three people. We said, well, we're going to launch in a year and a half. The God we serve can do things in a split second. A year and a half is too long for God. I know my generation. I don't know about the rest of you uh, baby boomers and all that stuff. Um, we tend to be a, a, a popcorn generation that serve a crockpot God. You know, like, come on now, mom loves that. <laughs> like, we put it in the microwave, two minutes. But uh, God is like, you need to put that stuff in the crock pot. I want to simmer this stuff for like six hours in your life. And we, we fail, and we get discouraged, and things happen, and we get scared, and we get shaky. And God is trying to teach the millennial generation how to stick to it. How to have a heart for the things of God, for the plan of God, for the purpose of God, how to how to stay faithful in marriage, how to raise your kids up in the kingdom, how to put him first in your finances, how to put him first in your health. God wants to usher in a kingdom. He wants to usher in his spirit. And we don't have any stick-to-itiveness. You got to give God a timeline. So what, what if we would have said, well, the six aren't here, this there would have been meeting Damien and all these amazing people that we know today and those that are still waiting on us to fulfill our calling in this city. What if we would have said no? I don't know. I'm off my notes right now. But you got to give God time. You may expect something in three years. And heaven has declared it's going to come in seven. Is your lack of faith and persistence going to lead you to step back? Are you going to step up? Your inability, you're human, but God's purpose will prevail. We need a special touch for our brokenness. I got to speed this up a little bit. What we're going to do is we're going to ask Will stick with that first. So we see between verses 12, follow me, and we're going to zone this in. Verses 12 and 16, where she's in anguish. Eli thinks that she's drunk because this wasn't anything new. Eli had two sons. They were judges. They were deliverers of Israel whenever Israel got into bondage of their enemy nations that were neighboring them. These sons were crazy. They would, they would take money from the treasury, and they would have other relationships going on. So it would have been normal for, e for Eli to see a woman in front of God's house crying simply because she was hungover from the night before. Could have been somebody that met up with her, with his sons. So th that's the context of that. But she's telling Eli, I am discouraged and I am sorrowful and I am anguished. Verse 17 says this. In that case, Eli said, uh, no, no, we're not going to go. Don't go to that verse. Go back, go back, go back. There we go. Stay with me. I'm sorry. So she's anguished. We're broken. This is a stat. One out of five Americans battle with depression. One out of every five. Uh, this is a state of sadness or hopelessness. Um, it doesn't allow us to live a normal life. Uh, symptoms are anxiety, restlessness. Um, you're hung up on failures. You've lost interest, interest in, in things that you love to do. Um, other symptoms are you're angry. Uh, anger management issues and all that stuff. And this is caused by differing factors. We've, we've kind of been talking about this earlier. I, I like to think that also an expectation that is not met could also lead 
to depression. Um, timing. You know, we thought we were going to get this, but we didn't got it. We're all broken, and that brokenness is triggered by different things. It's heightened. Uh, our son, in September, he broke his ankle, and uh, he played on it for three more days. We didn't know it was broken. We took him to the doctor. They did an x-ray. Come to find out he had a hairline fracture in that side bone there. Anyway, what is that bone called? Do we have any medical professionals in there? What is this bone called? Do we know? Don't know? Okay, cool. Yeah, he broke that bone. And so what happened is, is you guys know if you've broken a bone, the doctor puts an embrace on it, a cast. And in time, this bone is healed. And I guess as simple as an analogy that that was is that God has an embrace for your brokenness. He wants to embrace you in your broken state. Now, there's something I called about this verse. I've read this chapter umpteen times in my life. You have to watch this. This is probably the root issue of the reason why you can't overcome certain things in your life. Watch this. (laughs) Eli is the high priest, but she needs God to hear her. Eli represents something in this text. God hears her. God hears you when you pray. God is present. Now, let's deal with the different functions of presence. There's the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere at all times. So we can say that God is in this school or this church. God is in this school. But there's a difference between his omnipresence and his manifest presence. God can be here, but he can be in the kids' department. There's a difference when he steps into the building. And Hannah is searching for the presence of God in her life, but she's missing a vital factor. Watch this, watch this. She's missing something. Eli is the high priest, but she needs God to hear her. She needed Eli to recognize her. God hears her, he is present, and he wants to heal her. God uses the church to affirm her, comfort her, and encourage her. In this story, Eli represents the presence of the body of Christ in your life. It is high time for us as people to stop praying and asking God to heal us. He'll heal you in an instant. But what God wants to do is he wants to heal you and take you to a place where you can begin to produce again long term. And this is the thing that needs to begin to happen in our lives. Instead of just coming to church, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here because I like it. And I'm going to stay here until something is imperfect. I've been told my team, I said, look, if you find the perfect church, We'll shut these doors down and we'll tend there. Eli also represents the imperfection of the church. But the church is the body of Christ, the very vessel that God will choose to use to not just heal you, but to bind you up until you can actually get on your feet in life. It's okay for me to be an imperfect vessel of God's grace because you're imperfect too, and we need each other in this journey called Christian life. So 
it says right here in verse 17 that in that case, Eli said, go in peace, the church. May God of Israel grant your request. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. God will hear you, but he'll always use the people of God to heal you. And we're talking about long-term healing. We're not just talking about James 5, 13 through 15a says this. Are you, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Watch this. Here's Eli. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. It's about more than healing you. It's about holding you until you're well enough to produce what God has called you to produce. So what am I saying? All right, let's dumb it down. What I'm saying is you need community. You need community. And the Bible says that... um, that those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall bear fruit in their season. The reason why you can come to church on Sunday and feel so enthralled and uh and uh, uh, is because that's what Sunday is designed to do. Hey, how was church? It was great. Come Tuesday, Wednesday, what did you learn at church? The devil's like, yeah, uh, uh. The devil's Muhammad and Ali, you man, all day. When are you going to go to that church again? Uh, well, I got plans this Sunday. I don't know. Come on, dude. Like, and we want to, when the storms of life come, when these brick walls hit, we're snapping. We're snapping because we don't have roots. There's the redwood sequoia, sequoia redwood tree, tallest tree in the world, anywhere between 200 and 280 feet tall. The interesting thing about these trees is that their roots go down about uh, about 10 feet. Uh, but what's great about them is, is that they have this interconnective system where even though their roots go down very shallow, they're interconnected for miles on either side. And so when storms hit, the tree stands every chance. The storm doesn't. You have to find a home, even if it's not highlight church. You got to find somewhere where you can say, this is where I'm getting the word, This is where I'm serving. We're not a church of membership. You'll never be a member at Highlight. You're going to be a participant. This is a church where I'm serving because I want to get the full circle of God's will for my life. And what Hannah has come to understand as she goes away happy, yay, I'm going to have a child one day. I'm great. She's understood the vitality of community. Is this good? Let's clap it up as we go into our next point. And this is our final point. Wow, good timing. 
We need a special touch for, for his glory in our life. We need the special touch for his glory in our lives. Verse 25 through 28 says this. We're going to skip down. <clears throat> After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. This is interesting. I, I, gotta, I got plenty of time, so I got to teach here. You generally didn't sacrifice an entire bull for a baby boy. What Alkanah was doing was he was saying that, God, even though you gave him to us, he is a sinner. We're all imperfect. So I'm going to just go ahead and sacrifice an entire bull for his entire life. Just going to cover him. This bull represents Jesus. Okay? But Samuel has an, an amazing calling. It says it here um, that, verse 26, Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life, and they worship the Lord there. In verse 11, Hannah made a vow to God. We make them too. God, if you pay this bill, we'll never do that. If you save us from this, we'll never do that. We'll never do that. We make a vow. Our vows toward God do nothing for God. God does his performs his goodness in our life simply because he's good and he's a loving father. Now, I want to give you something here. Because a lot of us want the best from God. I want to give you the secret ingredient to getting the best from God. You have to begin to ask yourself in life, am I producing for the sake of producing? Or am I producing for something greater? I believe she tapped into the secret ingredient. Her inability was causing her to only get so far. In verse 11, she makes a vow to God in her brokenness. She comes to understand this, is that I could want something but is it because I want it because I want to be the mother of the Messiah? Do I want it to honor my husband or do I want it for God's glory in my life? And something happened in heaven when she made this vow. Like I said, I don't believe God did this because of her vow, but I believe what happened was her heart became aligned with the will of God for her life. And so she adjusted her desire for things. And the reason why we will continue to be on a wild goose chase in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, is because we haven't properly aligned our desires with his desires for our lives. I, I don't know. I'm being blessed by this. I'm, I'm being blessed because as a pastor, I have to look in the mirror a lot of times and I have to ask myself, why do I have this microphone? Am I wasting these people time, these people's time every week? Or is my desire still your desire for this city and for this team? This is your verse right here. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. 
a lot of people get this messed up. Like, oh, yes, God is going to give me my heart's desires. But this is the thing. The Lord is your heart's desire. What God wants is your heart's desire. And you'll come to find out that the plan of God for your life is far greater than anything that you could conjure up. So I'm not just going to produce, but I want to produce for you. I got about four minutes. I'm just going to go in and encourage us. We're going to give people a chance to give their hearts to Christ or to come back to him in a few minutes. Um, Samuel, let's go back to Samuel. Samuel was a, a judge. He was a priest and a prophet. When Hannah was in her time where she lacked the ability to conceive, um, she didn't know what God actually had in store for her. Had it not been for Hannah, we wouldn't have gotten King David to be anointed. King David is a descendant, or he is a, I'm sorry, an ancestor of Jesus Christ, a descendant. Samuel was going to usher in Israel's first King Saul, who was crazy. He was nuts. He was going to usher in King David, the greatest king that Israel has ever had to date. And you have to ask yourself, in light of all these points, my inability, my brokenness, and God's glory, what do I need? I need a special touch. Because at a certain point in my life, I have to understand it's not just about the 80 years I have here. But it's about what God wants to do for a thousand generations. And to this very day, the cries of Hannah impact us in this room this morning. I thank God for Hannah. I thank God that she sought out his touch. And so as a result, there was tangible evidence of the hand of God on her life. Tangible evidence. God wants his glory to come from you in your work in your studies, as you serve your kids. He wants his glory to pour out from your life, and you want his glory to pour forth from your life. I want to bring the worship team up. We're going to help me close out here. Yeah, you want his glory to pour out from your life. Let's give this word a hand clap. Thank you guys for listening this morning.